Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the State of Innovation podcast brought to you by the Illinois Science and Technology Coalition. I'm Matt Bragg, director of ISTC. Uh, and today on the show, uh, we speak with Mahesh Krishnamurthy, who's a professor of electrical and computer engineering uh, at Illinois Tech, uh, but is also the academic director of the Kaplan Institute, which is Illinois Tech's entrepreneurship hub there on campus. And we talk about his career path and um, how he became interested in uh, electrics and electric vehicles, um, but also you know, how he ended up at Illinois Tech. Uh, and then um, a lot about electric vehicles themselves and kind of the current state of um, the electric vehicle market uh, and kind of the things that need to happen for electric vehicles to be more uh, common on our streets today and, and kind of the you know, societal and economic factors uh, that are underlying some of that. Um, but we also talk about what's going on at Illinois Tech uh, in terms of innovation and entrepreneurship, uh, specifically centered around what students at the university uh, are getting up to, uh, especially through um, the still relatively new Kaplan Institute um, and some of the initiatives that that uh, Mahesh and others at the university are leading um, to really integrate you know, innovation and entrepreneurship across campus uh, and really connect to um, employers and, and try to grow the entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem that's already you know, quite strong at Illinois Tech, but try to continue um, that culture of innovation uh, on campus. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mahesh. Well, Mahesh Krishnamurthy, welcome to the State of Innovation podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, thanks again. And, you know, it's, it's great to have you on the show um, because you're somebody that I like because you have several roles uh, at Illinois Tech. And it's, it's always cool to see the intersection of, you know, things like engineering and entrepreneurship uh, and all of that. So um, I wanted to start, if you could just give us kind of a background on you know, your origin story, if you will, right? Kind of, um, you know, where you're from and how you got interested in engineering and um, electric vehicles and all the things you're doing now, um, and then how you wound up in Chicago at Illinois Tech. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, you know, I think uh, my journey to electrical engineering definitely is, is, is interesting. I love numbers, always have. Uh, I always thought that accounts was the place to go because I thought that I could see a lot more numbers. Uh, so, uh, over the course of time, I just realized that my my idea or my thoughts that I had uh, had more than just the numbers. It also had a concept of innovation. Uh, I, I love to problem solve. Uh, so while numbers and accounts were great, uh, it was in my mind, it kind of narrowed down some of the scope of what I wanted to do. Uh, so engineering turned out to be the best option. And after my undergrad, uh, I thought coding would be the best thing to do once again, because I thought that it gave me an opportunity to solve a problem that nobody else could see. Uh, and, uh, but once again, it was a little limiting in what it could handle at that point. Uh, and the op option of doing electrical engineering, which actually allows me to imagine a problem that somebody else has been talking about and hasn't even thought of solving yet and trying to solve it before they can decide whether or not it's a problem was very attractive. It did not become quite the reality uh, until a little later uh, when uh, I actually went from a grad school. I worked with my uh, advisor in Missouri, Rolla, uh, and uh, 
he gave me multiple projects to solve. So at no point was I doing only one project. So it could be anything starting from working for a company project to working for the Office of Naval Research. Uh, and the questions always were open-ended. Uh, so it gave me an opportunity to really work uh, on multiple ideas at once, learn how to multitask and look at a problem from different vantage points. So I had very good mentorship over the course of time. So in Chicago right now, uh, I joined right out, out of school. I once again worked for a company for a year. Uh, we were doing uh, consulting work for uh, fuel cell reformers, trying to create hydrogen from ethanol uh, with high voltage plasmas, so everything cool. I actually, one of the things that I loved the most was uh, I had an opportunity when we used 10 kilovolts, we used that to break down the plasma, that to break down the ethanol. And as we were running this high voltage discharge, uh, my mouse started to scroll on its own. What I didn't know at that point was why it was happening. Because, I mean, it kind of looks a little spooky. This is, this, we're still talking about 12, 13 years back. Uh, and uh, what I realized was that when you have a wire for your mouse that is connected back then, it was, a, I think I had a USB mouse. Uh, and it was connected to my laptop. My wire was actually picking up the EMI from the high voltage plasma, which made my screen scroll as I was running those high voltage discharges. So when it comes to, when you see things of that nature, you cannot help but be excited about what you're doing, the impact you can have. Uh, electric vehicles has been something I've been working on. I kind of inherited that from my advisor as well. He was very involved. Uh, he's now at the University of Texas. Uh, so I, I got a passion for that. Uh, and then over the course of time, when I joined Illinois Tech, one of the biggest things about this university has that we have a very strong power and energy program. Uh, we've had a lot of visibility in this space. We have one of the largest groups in the country. Uh, and it's, it's really a group of innovators uh, who work on complementary areas of expertise. So uh, joining this team, really, I was a junior faculty at that point, And we had several senior faculty members at that point who since a, couple, a few of them have moved to other universities, but we've had some complementary expertise drawn in as well. So I've stayed at, connected to this area and I have also been working as the editor-in-chief for a journal on trans transport and electrification. Uh, I've run conferences in this space and the more I experience this area, the more I realize how dynamically evolving the space is. When people want to write it off, all of a sudden you see a company like Tesla come in and it, everything all of a sudden revives itself. So uh, that's kind of the long story, I guess, of how I uh, got excited about this area. And uh, there is no dull day. There is no dull moment because there's always something new to be done. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I want to get back to Tesla and, you know, all of the exciting things that are happening in, you know, kind of the electric vehicle space. But um, so according to your bio, just talking about your research, right, your research focuses on design analysis and control of power electronics, electric machines, and adjustable speed drives. So first of all, uh, I want you to explain what that means uh, in layman's terms. Uh, and then second, just kind of walk us through, you know, what your research entails and, and kind of some of the interesting findings that, um, you know, you've discovered through the years. Absolutely. So uh, in terms of uh, when, you, when you think about any electric vehicle, uh, you have three core components when it comes to the traction drive system. So most of my work is focused around the propulsion or traction drive, which basically is the components that make it move. So you have three core elements. You have the power electronics that makes it all work. You have the motor or the machine that basically does the heavy lifting, quite literally. 
And then you have the energy storage, the battery pack uh, fuel cell, if you will, that allows you to kind of store the energy and dissipate and, uh, and as you see fit. So my work has really been in these three pockets. My starting point in this whole process was in the area of electric machines and drives. So we work on machine design, uh, the electric, uh, basic electromagnetic design of electric machines, uh, which basically means you are talking about designing something either for a brand new application, uh, like you have somebody with a brand new car they want to build, they want to build a quadcopter, they want to build a robotic arm or anything of that nature, and they want to have a motor or a machine with a very key set of requirements. You could use uh, a brand new machine design. In some cases, however, a lot, you are given an application where there is already a motor or a machine in existence that is currently being used, in which case you have to now, you've been given a set of constraints for which you are now designing a replacement motor. Now, when you do that kind of a, a replacement or drop-in replacement, as it is called, what you end up having to do is you have to work your way from the outside in. So you actually had to start with the external constraints, look at the cost constraints, uh, selecting materials, and then go around the design process. But when you design a machine, along with it comes the power electronics especially in a track in a transportation uh, context, you have to think about how you are going to control it. And at the same time, what kind of current are you going to draw? Like, where is that power coming from? If you have a very high voltage system, uh, what kind of limitations exist in the switches? If you're talking about a high current system, how thick are your wires going to be? How does that make them difficult to bend? So the, the beauty of this entire area is that it's not a one-stop shop. You have to know multiple uh, aspects of implementation. So a few of the components over the course of time that we have learned is that certain motors are very notorious for being noisy. Uh, has actually been one of the core areas. So we work on a, uh, on a motor called Switch Electronics Motors. Uh, and uh, I've done quite a bit of work uh, since my grad school days, as a matter of fact, uh, so for about 20 years now. And that motor is very efficient, does not use permanent magnets, which is a whole different point that we should talk about. Uh, but it actually is noisy or has been known to be noisy. Uh, so one of the challenges is how do you make sure you take care of noise, but you don't affect its performance? So there's always the low hanging fruit and then you have the difficult to attain. The more you go into the higher efficiency range, the more you cross the threshold of let's say 93, 94%, and you try to squeeze out that last one, two, 3%, that is perhaps the most difficult of all because everything that was easy, we've done. So now we are trying to address those key components. Uh, another aspect of motors really has been the area of permanent magnets. There has been this volatility in the market, especially during COVID, things have gotten that much worse. So you have to think about uh, where is our supply chain coming from, whether it is getting lithium, whether it is getting copper, whether you're talking about permanent magnets coming in from other countries. You have to worry about uh, what happens if that supply chain is disrupted. Currently, you are facing, you're looking at that, uh, the semiconductor uh, chip shortage, right? You're talking about automotive system where they are talking about how this has really disrupted uh, the overall automotive market. There are multiple facilities that have had to kind of close down for a little while in order to accommodate that. So the, the, the problem right now has morphed from being a one-dimensional design the motor, design the electronics, or buy a battery pack to let's look at the overall system as one big 
interconnected uh, system. So you have to talk about all of these aspects. So my uh, research has also shifted gears from looking at machines where it started to looking at the concept of an integrated drive. So you have to talk about all three of these elements, control of the motor, uh, power electronics, which connects your uh, supply, uh, basically the energy storage element to your motor. Uh, you have the auxiliary power that you might need for a starter application. Uh, and of course, the battery pack. That is one last piece that right now, recently our research has been growing into quite a bit because as you go into electrification, the requirements from a battery pack can change, has changed quite a bit. Uh, it is now uh, being, at, or rather the battery pack is now being asked to provide high amounts of current in a very short period of time. You are asking that battery pack to charge a lot faster with fast charging and extreme fast charging. So now you are uh, looking at aspects of safety, reliability, and uh, the all important component of aging. So that might be a caveat. At some point, I would love to answer that question because for me, that's, I think if I had to put in a nutshell right now, sustainability is what we have to be focusing on. If we are not talking sustainability in every aspect of engineering, we are really missing the big picture here. So, yeah, no, that's great. And I think, you know, that's a great segue into, you know, the next topic that I wanted to cover, which is electric vehicles more generally, right? Because I know your work um, focuses on um, obviously the engineering and design of vehicles themselves, but also kind of the market and the dynamics that are going into kind of the economic side, right? And the sustainability side of electric vehicles. So um, I guess my first question is just where do we stand with adoption of electric vehicles and, and what are some of the recent trends that we're seeing, you know, including, as you mentioned, kind of the supply chain, uh, supply chain disruptions that have happened over the past year, you know, obviously due to COVID. So, uh, you know, kind of where do we stand in the U.S. and, and internationally with electric vehicles? So that's, a, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Uh, it's, it almost is amounting to a little bit of a crystal ball there because innovation is happening at a breakneck pace. This is a fantastic place currently for innovation, like I said, just because the, the core components uh, that we initially thought made an electric vehicle are not contained anymore. Now it is going extending to aspects of policy, uh, supply chain, things that are outside of the immediate arena of, or the, the immediate definition of engineering design. So in terms of the United States, we are definitely among the leaders when it comes to uh, electrification, partly because uh, we, have a, we have this incessant desire to innovate. We want to invent the next big thing. The challenge really that we are facing is that we are not the only ones doing that. So the question really is how can we be the first uh, to innovate, to, to implement something that's brand new? There are some extremely uh, efficient examples from multiple countries. Uh, I mean, we are seeing right now in terms of investments that are coming from other countries, uh, we are also looking at uh, companies that have started in the United States. We have companies like Amazon, Apple, who have all, Google obviously has been there as well. You have multiple of these large companies who have uh, really gone aggressively into the area of uh, electrification. Uh, and where this is going to take us really is going to depend on uh, the, the, the market size we can define. Because in terms of adoption of electric vehicles, there are two aspects to it. The first one, of course, is uh, access, basically access, meaning it has to be cost efficient. 
if it if it is something that is a hundred thousand dollar car like the original roadster and such were uh, or if we're talking about a karma who have who make cars north of a hundred thousand dollars um that's not necessarily a bad thing but you are serving a very specific demographic that can afford those kind of vehicles now you bring in something like a tesla you bring in a prius that kind of brings the costs down a little bit and we land in the 20s and 30s all of a sudden they are somewhat comparable to the cost of an ICE based engine ICE based car now along with that you add the component of incentives provided by the government and you drop the price you have tax incentives you have energy efficiency components uh, recently there was a, a study released by uh, the department of energy that showed uh, that uh, the cost of electrification actually is not as high and there the argument is that uh, electrified vehicles have a lower cost of maintenance that's fantastic and these are definitely very important components however the other side of this conversation is how can we have electrification uh be sustainable such that we don't end up taxing our grid too much because when you want to uh, to charge your battery pack you have to think about where that power is coming from keep in mind that electrification is really kind of moving the it's removing the tailpipe emissions but there's still a cost to that energy that's coming in from somewhere so that leads to a question of how do we make sure that the grid can handle uh, the answer to that might lie in the aspect of a microgrid in which you actually do uh, you do generate energy and consume it locally renewable energies have to be integrated the infrastructure might need to have better control which is happening more at a localized uh, level so in that regard uh, illinois tech has a lot of work going on in that specific segment uh, at the galvin center at the wanger institute uh, for sustainable energy research we have several uh, researchers looking at that uh, kind of confluence of uh, situations if you will so uh, there are other countries where this might not be as big of a problem uh, partly because they have access to more hydro uh, energy they might have more access to wind uh, photovoltaics might be a little easier we need to work within the constraints that we have been provided um there are like as china obviously has a very strong presence in the electric vehicle market uh, they are entering several areas as well so for us at this point we need to kind of uh, link arms between people in the power and energy uh with uh, the vehicle designers the transportation sector folks uh policies and the last but very important component of energy storage these are electrochemists who are designing this new battery packs because on one hand we want everything to look and feel like a regular gas car we want our vehicle to uh, to charge in 8 minutes because we spent about 2 minutes uh in um filling my gas tank so we want to have the same experience with an electric car that's at least the ideal scenario the question is is that realistic because when you start charging a battery pack that fast you're going to also cause it to age that much faster so the question now is what does that do if you go that route what is going to happen uh in terms of creating that chemical waste to think about how paper and plastic had that love hate relationship where we went from paper to plastic to save more trees and all of a sudden plastic became the problem to where we are once again advocating possibly for metal and paper once again i'm not an environmental engineer i'm just trying to make a connection here we have to think about the same thing we cannot afford to go from engines to batteries only to make batteries a new problem we have to think about the entire 
uh, infrastructure. We need to think about how do we make these batteries? How do we use them? And then how do we reuse and how do we recycle them? If we don't have a pathway that clearly identifies how we can actually uh, reuse components from these cells and batteries, we are only moving the problem uh, down another decade. We are kicking the can down the road. It's not going to be a solution that we are looking for just because we are not quite there yet. So hopefully that gave you a little bit of a context of how big the problem is and how much need there is for innovation here. Yeah, no, that's helpful to look at it so holistically, right? You're looking at it from obviously a design engineering perspective, but also an economic perspective and a sustainability perspective and a, you know, electric grid and, and all of that infrastructure. Um, it's, it's really amazing when you think about it that holistically. But I'm wondering, I mean, if you were made czar of, you know, electric vehicles, right? What, what are some of the first things you would do to help grow adoption of them here in the U.S.? Uh if we were to have all the options possible, um, I would consider phasing in electrification. To me, electrification is not a binary concept. It's not an all or nothing concept. Oftentimes when we think about electrification, we think electric cars. It's not bad, there's nothing wrong with it, but I feel that there is actually a, quite a wide range in between. Uh, what we also focus on a lot of times uh, is we look at core areas where we recognize the application. Cars, if we think of electric, electrification, we oftentimes think of cars. What we don't think of is the concepts like mid-size electric vehicles, delivery trucks. Uh, you're talking about start-stop cycles. We are talking about uh, a system in which you have a varying load during the day, starts off heavy, ends up light. You have locomotives, you have aerospace applications. So if I was to be made the uh, transportation king, so to speak, uh, in this arena, which I love that concept, by the way, uh, I would really want to start talking about uh, a balancing act between electrification and introducing aspects of electrification in personal mobility, for example, electric bicycles, places where you can have a, a more of a uh, value or return on investments from the electrification. Because if we are indeed trying to get people to, or if we are trying to consume less gas, creating a more sustainable environment, we should not be thinking of a four-door sedan as being the only place where investment needs to be made. We need to start thinking broader, start thinking wider, and see where the maximum impact is going to be. So within the city, I think the aspect, the, the idea of having electrification for personal mobility I think is a phenomenal investment. As a city, as a state, I think investing into those kind of infrastructures where you have incentives for people who ride bicycles should be, should be given. And that would allow us to gradually use electrification as and when needed without taxing the grid and creating a problem that we might have a hard time solving. Now, once again, our cities are a lot spread out, a lot more spread out. If you go to countries like, let's say, India or Brazil, where it's a lot more focused or concentrated, things are a little easier. But long distance, I understand. At the same time, the idea of electrification does have some, somewhat of a limitation in, in that it is not always suitable for every single application. So we need to have this holistic view of trying to figure out how we can generate more energy locally, uh, how we can have solar and wind be integrated. So I, if I were to be made that 
person who gets to make those calls, I would want to have a check for every for uh, every expense we're talking about. If we want to consume more, if we want to have more electrification locally, I would want to see more generation also happen locally. I think that would be a sustainable way to grow. And I think that we are getting there. It's just taking a little longer than I think engineers tend to be somewhat impatient sometimes. We're just working through that uh, as we've seen. Yeah, it seems like society is usually a little bit slow to catch up to where, you know, the newest technology is and, and kind of the hopes of, of those engineers, right, that develop those things. And it's like, well, hey, let's adopt them, but uh, can kind of be slower than, than we would hope. Um, but I do want to touch on also, you know, in addition to your work on electric vehicles and your research, um, you also have an appointment at the Kaplan Institute for, for Innovation and, and Tech Entrepreneurship. So um, I'm wondering if you can kind of talk us through that role and, and some of the initiatives you're leading through the Kaplan Institute. Kaplan Institute really is a, um, has been in uh, Illinois Tech for about four years now. And I have taken on this role of the academic director uh, with Maryam Saleh over the last three months. She's been here for, I think, right about nine months now. And the Institute really forms uh, a functioning arm of the university where we want to be cross-cutting across multiple departments and multiple colleges. Our mandate is to inspire uh, a level of innovation and entrepreneurship uh, uh, on campus. We are trying to really create an environment where faculty, students, staff uh, feel empowered uh, to dream up new ideas. Because today, one of the things that we are very aware of that you never know when all of a sudden going from being on a show like Shark Tank, you end up becoming something like a ring, uh, a, a small device that was uh, seen as being inconsequential just becomes the next big thing. So in terms of ideas, we want to create a sandbox uh, within the institute, within the university where students and faculty can test out ideas. So uh, we are launching, we have launched several initiatives over the course of the last nine months. Uh, my primary responsibility is uh, kind of bringing the university from the inside uh, towards the surface. Uh, so uh, the executive director is somewhat outward focused while I am a little focused within the university. So we kind of are two sides of the same coin working together and in tandem. So uh, we are launching out these initiatives. We just had recently on Friday had this pitch initiative or pitch competition, which was uh, run by a student organization. Uh, and the idea basically was to pitch for a $30,000 prize and the incentive uh, kind of leads them to start a company, hopefully a startup or a spinoff that they can work towards. Our goal uh, as a university is not only to provide them the opportunity but it's actually to provide them with the mentorship they need to be successful. So one of the core um, initiatives that we are launching out is to create a connection point between students and entrepreneurs, our own alumni that can actually work with them. We also want to bring in the expertise from within the university. When a student has an idea and they come to us with an idea of uh, launching a product or launching a solution we want to make sure that they have the, adic the right resources, whether it is faculty, whether it is a space to work, uh, whether it is uh, other students who have a similar vision and similar mindset, we want to bring that together. Another aspect to the same thing that we are working on is something I'm very passionate about, which is student team competitions. 
So I have been working on student team competitions for over a decade now. Uh, and these are competitions where we compete at a national or international level. Uh, from my side, I have been involved in the Formula SAE uh, electric race car competition team for about 10 years now. Uh, I started a team in 2016 called the NASA Robotic Mining Competition, where we actually go to Kennedy Space Center every May. Uh, we build a robot for previously was a Martian rover. Now it's a lunar bot. Uh, and we build a robot, we compete with other, a, a bunch of other universities, uh, and um, we hopefully create the right technology that NASA can adopt. Uh, the electric cars the same way. When we go for these competitions, we have the big five automotive companies and a bunch of other people uh, who are there looking specifically to recruit students who have built these race cars, these robots. We have AIAA, the design build fly competition. We have uh, hackathons that happen. I feel, and this is, this is something I'm very passionate about, is, is that this can create or this can be an ecosystem that functions very much like a startup. These teams are self-organized. Uh, there is a presidential structure. They get funds, they apply for, uh, uh, for sponsorship from companies, they raise money, they work with faculty, and they build these amazing uh, products or solutions in a matter of one to one and a half or two years in some cases. So that is something that I'm launching as a new initiative over the next uh, six months uh, in, a, in a more kind of uh, streamlined fashion. Uh, and I'm very hopeful that a lot of these students who are working on these competitions will be some of those leaders that I'm so passionate about uh, kind of letting loose on the society because they are natural innovators. Uh, they're just, they just want to solve problems and giving them an opportunity within the university setting in a safe environment where they, they can make mistakes. The biggest thing we're trying to make sure is we give them a space for them to make mistakes, to learn from their mistakes. So by doing that, I feel like they are going to be that much more prepared to join the workforce and become leaders. In a, in a much shorter time, mind you, uh, the students who are coming out, who are graduating now, I strongly believe are a lot more trained and a lot more equipped at it than I was at my own uh, when I graduated. And I say this with, uh, with not necessarily being humble, but more as a matter of fact, because these students now have an exposure to so many more uh, skill sets. They have so many more opportunities to learn. And the students that we get at Illinois Tech are truly uh, inspired by what they see around them. So uh, the competition is one more track. We are trying to make sure the faculty are a lot more engaged with the students. We have some amazing faculty doing amazing research. We want to make sure that the Kaplan Institute tag teams with all of the departments, uh, whether it's the College of Engineering, the newly formed College of Computing. Uh, we want to make sure that this, the, the College of Law, Architecture, Business, you name it. We want to kind of bring them within the Kaplan umbrella to offer the right courses and to bring the research to students at an undergraduate level. We don't want them to have to wait until they are in the junior or senior year before they can get involved in any of these activities. So our constant goal is to engage them as early as possible. So we don't really let that glass ceiling form where they feel that they don't know enough. I do believe that they actually know a lot more than they realize. And I think it's just about providing the, the right opportunity, the right incentive, and just giving some guardrails that they can kind of work around and they can, they can really do amazing things. Yeah, you know, I think 
you know, in my five years working at ISTC and, and working with various universities uh, around the state, and, and so many of them are, you know, so innovative and entrepreneurial, um, I've always kind of had a soft spot for Illinois Tech because it, it's just such a, I don't know, it's such an innovative and entrepreneurial culture that, that you all have built uh, at Illinois Tech. And it's great to see, you know, the added resources and, and everything that's being created by this Kaplan umbrella uh, that I think is only going to amplify that, right, both for students and faculty to, I think, create opportunities to, to keep that kind of culture up and continue to grow it and, and all of those things. So um, my last question really is, you know, what's next, right? What's next for you uh, in terms of your research? What's next in terms of, you know, Illinois Tech and everything that's happening uh, at the Kaplan Institute and just kind of, you know, maybe over the next five years, you know, what do you kind of hope to accomplish? As the next step, I, I'm a dreamer. In so many ways, I'm a dreamer. I love to dream. I am uh, very excited about the idea of startups. I think uh, in the current environment that we have across the country, I think it's this crappy inventors uh, who are the future of this country. To me, it is not necessarily the big companies. The big companies are awesome, but they need crappy inventors. They need people who can think outside the box. They need people who look at a problem and don't walk past it. They take a crack at it and say, let me see if I can do something about it. I think Kaplan is, the Kaplan Institute is poised to be just that crappy group of people. Uh, and our vision is to uh, be a launch pad. We want to be a hub for innovation. We want to bring the community together. Uh, our goal is to be uh, a, a flagship operation that collects people from within the university, connects these people to the outside world, when I say outside world, the community, the industries, uh, and create opportunities for our uh, students, faculty, and our neighbors in the community uh, to do amazing things. Uh, the next five years, I am very confident uh, that we will have spin-offs that come out of the university. We will have students who launch out companies. I am very positive uh, that the environment that we are creating, the leadership that we currently have at the university, uh, the excitement that we have for startups and patents, um, I think is the right mix to launch a new generation of, uh, of inventors, a new generation of entrepreneurs. Uh, and we don't, we're not doing this at the expense of uh, of knowledge creation at the expense of learning is the exact opposite. You actually want to kind of bring in all of these elements that we are known for. And as at the Kaplan Institute umbrella, we want to kind of bring them all, mesh them together to be the, uh, the, the melting pot of knowledge uh, and, and practical application. So that's, I think for my research, I think we are in the same space as well. I do see myself as being involved more in startups. Uh, I have never lost that zeal. When it comes to our flagship programs, we have IPRO, interprofessional projects and such. Uh, I think my goal, my hope is that we will inject entrepreneurship into every one of our classes. It doesn't have to be something where you only think about startups. Entrepreneurship is a mindset. Uh, innovation is an attitude. 
you, sh- you need to think about innovation and trying to think about problem solving because that's really what we all are, what we are all about. So my hope is to work with the deans of all the colleges, uh, the chairs for all the departments, find ways in which we can bring those connections to those environments where we don't have to spell out entrepreneurship for them. It just becomes part of our DNA. It just becomes part of who we are. And that in addition to being known uh, for our excellence in technology, that we would be known for the mindset that we kind of uh, inculcate in this entire uh, group of uh, students that we are attracting. And uh, that's, the, that's the kind of the vision and the goal that I'm hoping we can set us up for in the next uh, four to five years. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, that makes total sense. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that we've seen that is so important is, you know, even if students aren't, um, you know, starting startups and, you know, while they're in undergrad and, and all of that, I think teaching that innovative and entrepreneurial mindset is so important, right? Even if they, you know, go on after they graduate and start in a big company, right? Those big companies are looking for, for innovators and entrepreneurs internally as well. And I think there's been this shift over the past decade or so to say, hey, we want to hire um, folks that have that mindset, regardless of if, you know, they're going to be starting a new company or not, right? We want somebody who's going to bring new ideas to the table and, and not be afraid to fail and, uh, you know, understand that, you know, innovation is an iterative process and you're, you know, kind of you're doing this uh, over time and, and creating kind of new ideas that can help, um, you know, small companies and startups all the way up to big companies, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's so important. Uh, but Mahesh, I want to thank you for joining the show and, and sharing so much about um, your research and, you know, all the interesting things that are going on with electrification and electric vehicles and all of that. Um, but also, you know, clearly your work with, with Kaplan and, and all of the exciting things that are happening there. And, you know, Kaplan's still relatively young, right? I mean, it hasn't been around uh, all that long, but it's so exciting to see all of the things that are, that are going on and the way it, you know, really is cutting across the entire campus, because um, I think that's that's so important because you never know where these innovations and, um, you know, where your entrepreneurs are going to come from, right? It could be engineering or it could be some other part of campus that you might not uh, immediately think of. So, um, you know, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, appreciate uh, the great conversation today. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate uh, getting a chance to chat with you as well. There are lots of ideas that we have. There are always these thoughts that we have and always getting an opportunity to talk to somebody uh, who has uh, an external perspective and sharing those ideas with you uh, is, is always a great opportunity. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you.